0: Sangram here. Welcome to another episode of the Flip My Film Podcast. Uh, As always, one of the best privileges that I have is to have somebody take over one of the episodes. It actually is less work for me, quite frankly. So it's it's a really cool thing. But as we started this peak community, we're finding incredible podcasters who are running their own amazing experiential podcasts. So Samir, who is one of the, the members of the peak community, has his own podcast that he started. It's called the Experience Business Podcast. So I invited him to join me so I can introduce you uh, to him and also for him to actually share what this podcast is about and what kind of people he's going to interview for you. So, Samir, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Sangram. Thank you so much. You know, I'm highly obliged. And to be very frank, it's my pleasure and wonderful to be part of this peak community.
0: That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your podcast that you have been running and what type of people are you interviewing on that for our community?
1: Hey, you know, this is very interesting because I personally believe that every company should be the experience company because uh, people don't buy product. They don't buy services. They only buy the experiences. So the, my podcast is about the experience business podcast, meaning every business should focus on creating the experience. And in this podcast, I normally interview people and sometimes also solo, where I talk about what are the strategies, what are the viewpoint of other leaders like CXOs, CMOs, CTOs to make their business uh, an experienced business.
0: That is fantastic, man. So let's go and like deep dive into it because Samir, you have above, I think about 10 episodes that you have graciously, agreed to have it shared on the Flip My final Takeover Tuesday and Thursday episodes. So Samir, again, thank you for doing that. Information about you and your podcast is going to be in the show notes. Let's go. Thank you.
1: Hey everyone, this is Samir Kumar in this episode of the Experience Business Podcast. We are going to discuss about what problem that the sales team faces in today's situation when we know that most of the sales uh, sales team is now working with the clients virtually and the traditional way of doing the sales is now taking a shift right and even the traditional industries or the sales team members right those who, are, who have been working in a very more traditional way of interacting with the clients on a more personal level by visiting the office by having like one-to-one coffee and building the relationship right now these things are not there right now and in this present situation, the many organizations are finding this shift very difficult because they feel that how to make the right engagement, uh, because unless a, until unless you don't show your skin to your client, right, or to your would-be prospect, will this convert, right? So in the today's episode, right, I have with me Somavu Sarkar. Somavu, w- welcome here.
2: Hey, Samir, good to, good to be here. Thank you for having me over
1: Somawu is actually a very senior sales executive, and he is working currently in LinkedIn, where he handles the global accounts for the LinkedIn Marketing Solutions India. And he actually thoroughly enjoys the solution selling experience that demands understanding the client's requirement, their business, and also their marketing objectives. And then he actually creates the outcome-based solutions by helping them have a meaningful conversation with their requirement. So he engages with the prospects and then provides a unique insights to derive the value to the investments. And I think that's the core of actually doing any kind of sales. So he uses his expertise, a deep industry knowledge, I would say, uh, to make the strategic planning and consulting skills. And then he takes his core expertise to help build a better relationship with the clients, right? So, Mabu, what do you say that, you know, the current situation, things are completely changing. How the things are actually working out at sales level when you engage with your clients virtually? Yeah,
2: I think somewhere, uh, it's a new world. Uh, it's a uh-huh. new normal that that you are going through, right? And, and we, we have to adapt. And I think uh, yeah. more than any lobby, I think it's sales that has to adapt, right? And um, there are a lot of challenges that, that uh, sales goes through. And as you rightly pointed out, we are used to, you know, going into clients' offices, meeting them mm. in person, and and you know, engaging with them at a the, at a deeper level. But I you know I think over the last six seven months since the pandemic has kind of hit us, mm-hmm. I think we as a breed, the sales breed, if I can call it that way, we have evolved. Yeah. Uh, at least I see that you know my company uh, LinkedIn has evolved, right? So mm. we we were. Like, I, I manage a couple of key global accounts, right? And, you know, many a times what happens is they there used to be stakeholders who might not be in Bangalore, the, the mm, location mm, that I am based mm. out of, right? And, you know, during normal times or pre-COVID times also, you know, sometimes travel would not be possible because of, you know, certain commitments that you have. And at that point of time also, we kind of used a lot of, you know, video conferencing, you know, Zoom and stuff like that to kind of engage with customers. So I would not say from my personal perspective, you know, things have drastically changed. Yes, it has changed, of course, because you, you know, you still got to, you know, see your clients at that point of time uh, on, and, on and off, basis, is maybe, you know, twice a month, thrice a month, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I think it is more about evolution. It is more about how you tailor, you know, your approach to your prospects, right? I mean, a couple of key things which stand out, uh, you know, which I think would help any sales guy is, although we are living in a uh, bit of a you know cauldron or you know we have our we have our stuff that we cannot do like the most loved stuff which is meeting clients but still i think getting a face time on video conference is also a good way to kind of engage with them so mm-hmm. empathy compassion you know you know and more Everything importantly you know delivering customer value is is very very important at each mm. stage of the journey mm.
1: So so tell me one thing because yes, the sales team, even if the marketing teams in the most organizations and I have now adapted to mostly I would say the digital side, uh, still we see the adoption of the digital digital uh, way of actually interacting with the customers has been, uh, has been a very slow in the sales departments, right? What do you yeah. see according to you is the challenge that the sales professional face while engaging with? customers uh, virtually? I think
2: a couple of things. Uh, is this because of one, the
1: culture or like whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, I think,
2: yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things, Damir. Uh, one is understanding the customer's behavior. All right? yeah. So uh, there is a lot of thing that happens around body language, right? When, when you are face-to-face with a customer, uh-huh. then you understand the body language. I think the key challenge that we sales guys face in this you know virtual selling environment is understanding or gauging what the customer is going through Right? are we able to you know understand whether the client's expectations are met right or not whether mm-hmm. he, he or she is involved in that discussion or not are we able to grab that attention or not there is always a quandary so i always have this 30 second thing that whenever i'm meeting a customer it's very important that i grab this although if that meeting is one hour if I don't grab his attention in the first 30 seconds or maybe max a minute, hmm. then, you know, he's off for the next 50-10 minutes or so. And, and that discussion would not be outcome based, would not be beneficial or would not be a win-win for each of the parties. So I think grabbing that whole attention span is very important. Number two, and I know uh, which is crucial in any sales environment, is relationship building, right? Hmm. We know that relationship happens when you are in person, you know, having those discussions, having those engagements, right? So that is one of the key things that that is still a bit of a challenge. And Mm. especially, I think, in the context of, you know, new business development or new acquisition or new Mm. skills environment, you know, people who are kind of managing a set of business or a book of business, you know, five accounts, three accounts, 10 accounts, whatever it is, Mm. they might have already have those existing relationships, right? So it is easier for them Because it is just about amplifying whatever uh, you had built in the past. But for people who are uh, in the new business development, I think Hmm. it's a bit of a challenge.
1: Okay. So do you think that training can solve this problem? Or is this because the organizations are not uh, building the right kind of culture for those salespeople? If the entire organization knows that now we are the digital first. Yeah. As you rightly said, the
2: push has to come from the management team. Now, what I have I am increasingly seeing in the last over the last six, seven months is companies that you might not have hitherto imagine that they have a digital sales team, they have come up with digital sales team. Mm. Because they also understand the importance of being close to their customers. Because come to think about it, you cannot travel, you cannot go to a customer's place. Even your even if your office is open, your class customer's office is closed, right? So you don't have any other option, right? So I think Satanadala spoke about it, I think a few months back, you know, two years worth of digital, acceleration, digital transformation has been accelerated in two months. So I think yeah. that statement couldn't have been moved true, right? So it is all part of the whole digital transformation journey that, that we are all going through.
1: So I mean, like, since you're part of the LinkedIn, right, just wanted to know, like, is there any defined strategy or framework that is standardized in LinkedIn for virtual engagement with the customers?
2: Uh, no framework per se, because at the end of the day, we uh, one of our BUs is LinkedIn Sales Solutions, right? Which mm-hmm. is basically evangelizing the whole concept of digital selling or you kind know, of modern selling, right? Mm-hmm. In the way how people uh, should uh, kind of engage and reach their prospects, right? So I think one of the key things uh, that we always do, okay, is research, right? I think it's very important. I I couldn't have you know emphasized it more uh, stronger, but Many sales folks out there today don't do proper research about their clients, What they, what is their business, what is their competition, what, is, what does their product do, and stuff like that, right? Mm. Because of which, you know, let's take a step back, right? How do you start a digital sales uh, journey? It all starts from that cold email that you send out, a cold email that you send out to your prospect. Correct. Right. And I'm talking from a sales perspective, not from a marketing standpoint, right? Mm. It, it starts say, hi, Samir, uh, no, uh, no. What I know about your business, it's very important because that grabs your attention, correct? And you might be as a CEO uh, or as a CIO, you might be getting a thousand emails each day from different organizations, from different partners, right? How can I stand out? So I think one of the things that we follow in LinkedIn is how we contextualize this whole communication. But for contextualization, how, how have we done our research for that particular prospect or for that particular company that, that we are going on? So I think it starts from there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of follow the sales process.
1: So do you, in the LinkedIn, do you have any kind of standard templates which is defined, which is more repeated, right? And that the sales team has to go through because uh, if you ask my experience, right, even in the many companies, right, there is no standard, I would say, centralized documentation also available, which the teams has to follow while while you interact with them for example, when you're talking to someone for the first time, right? Okay. What is going to be the opening statement? What is going to be the opening email statement, right? Maybe for some smart folks, right? It comes from within, right? You immediately start crafting those messages, right? Mm -hmm. But for the vast majority of the people, right? Use, you also need a certain set of standard framework or certain set of templates and maybe you'll customize it uh, down the line. So uh, LinkedIn does have it for the sales team. Or like or what a news, new introductions has happened because of this COVID-19. How, how things are shaping up in, in LinkedIn for, for the sales team. when it comes to engaging with the customer, how, what kind of changes is coming in terms of the new strategies, new things uh, in the LinkedIn for the sales team?
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot of playbook stuff for us out here. It's a lot of best practices stuff. Mm, you know, okay. uh, we have a lot of rich insights to give to the world, right? Both mm-hmm. From a marketing perspective, business mm-hmm. perspective, hiring perspective, learning perspective, right? And what we did as a company was our marketing team did a tremendous job to build those COVID narratives because every business was conscious. They mm-hmm. were in 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 like freeze mode. Like they didn't know what to do. They didn't know if their strategy is the right one or not. And that's where I guess we partnered with them very closely to kind of either kind of validate or not validate some of their strategies, some of their tactics that they have kind of had kind of thought through. And and those insights really kind of helped us to have meaningful conversations with, with clients. You know, in my experience, in the last seven eight months, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about only my book of business, I have I have interacted with my clients more often than I would have in in normal time. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being very honest about it, right? Because and they are
1: B2B tech companies or what?
2: They are, they are B2B tech companies, absolutely. Okay. And uh, and I have been able to unlock new relationships within BU. Because in my world, you know, I, I just managed three or four accounts. Mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. for me, the growth comes from, you know, retaining those views that we have already kind of uh, won over. But most importantly, the growth comes from uh, new views that you crack within existing uh, businesses, right? Because all those businesses are pretty big. you know all those are MNCs, some of them are you know made in India for the world products and stuff, right? So it's important that we kind of go into newer views, find newer stakeholders. How do we do that? right? We do that with a data-driven approach. We do that with, with by being backed by the right kind of insights.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think that has really helped us.
1: okay. so when, if in case I have to ask you, what is the way of interacting with customers, uh, virtually, when you pitch them, definitely everyone have the everyone actually over a period of time to love their own strategy. And since you are one of the top performance performing sales guy, right? What is your framework of interacting with customers virtually? Okay, so just a small <laughs> correction. I never pitch to my client.
2: Okay, so I I just consult with them. I am yeah. I am with them all the time. So I never pitch. So even if you scan my laptop today, mm. you you'd not find a pitch deck out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so I don't. I don't pitch. It's it's basically about how uh, how you demonstrate customer value because customer centricity is something which is very very close to my heart. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, I'm this old believer that you know my salary is paid by my customers. Right. So and and that's why you need to be there where where your customers are. are right. Hmm. Uh, for example, uh, over the last two months, you might have seen uh, we have launched our virtual event solution. Correct. Yeah, uh, okay, I, I was I was yeah. I was
1: I was part of the initial a uh, initial the feedback uh, yes, yes beta yeah. version i am still part yes. of it right it's developing yes. and i yes. interact with the team so
2: yes mm. yes so basically how how we enable customers to quickly adopt it because mm. come to think about it these are the big b2b tech companies that that i am managing right mm. and mm. physical events form the key part of their go to market strategy and that mm. was completely taken away from them mm. right and you know, they didn't have any means to kind of meaningfully engage with prospects clients and uh, and uh, partners right so this virtual engagement model actually enabled them to enhance their reach by 5x or 10x mm-hmm. because a physical event would happen in a particular location in a particular city and most and mm-hmm. mostly 90 percent of attendees coming into that event would be from that particular city yes this virtual event solution basically broke those barriers right so it was the speed at which we launched the solution and the speed at which customers adopted the solution to you know gain to you know bring value to their business is something which really you know helps us as individuals as sales folks because those are real hard real good value that you are providing to customers. okay so it's not about pitching it's about being uh, you know consult having a consultative approach you know rather than a pitching approach because Pitching is, you know, to your point that you were mentioning earlier, right? Pitching, when you come to pitching, you are more talking about yourself rather than Hmm. understanding the customer's Hmm. business, right? But when you are into that consultative mode, right? In a half an hour meeting, 20 minutes or 25 minutes is about customer's business. And 5 or 10 minutes is about how you can help to kind of
1: So uh, what is your approach of uh, then engaging with the customer the first time? What is that your checklist of uh, when you say that you, when you engage with them, you always take a consultative approach, but definitely you need something uh, to know about your customer before even just, you know, engaging with them. And when you engage with them for the first time, what is your first, I would say, introduction statement or how you actually go about it? Okay, so I'll just take you through the steps, Yeah, a few right? examples, so, right? I was basically examples, looking so for because okay. certain scenarios, right? Because yes, yes, things would differ. Yes.
2: So I think what I follow very closely, summary is what I call it as a value engagement model or a value engagement framework. Hmm. So hmm. where we basically have two halves, right? One half is the customer's half and the second half is our half okay? hmm. or the partner's hmm. half, hmm. right? First half is the most crucial part. So it talks about pressures, objectives, and challenges. Okay, so pressures are basically, it can be anything, you know, COVID is a pressure for everyone, right? It's a business mm-hmm. pressure, it's an industry mm-hmm. pressure. Uh, it can be competition pressure, it can be product pressure, it can be, you know, going into new market pressure. It, pressures can be anything. Yeah. Objectives is, you know, you know, keeping into mind all those pressures. How does that company uh, want to see itself, say, in a month's time, or sorry, in a year's time, or maybe in five years' time? Okay, Any revenue goal that they have kind of decided? Okay, Uh, whether a company is kind of bound for an IPO or whether they're going for new valuation and stuff. Okay, and then the challenges, right? What are the challenges which are inhibiting them from achieving those objectives, Mm. right? And that comes with deep research, all right? So whenever I'm interacting with a customer, with a new customer first thing, all right? The key thing that I do is a lot of research, a lot of research, okay? So I have to get into a mode where I feel like I am that particular company's employee and not LinkedIn's employee. So I have to get into that more because then uh, your conversation becomes that much easier, right? So when you have a basic uh, understanding of those precious objectives and challenges, okay, Mm. you try to validate those things during your conversation and then you add on things because you will learn things as you converse, right? Yes, And then the later half of that, of that particular uh, value engagement model framework is your, is your initiatives is your value proposition. okay? Mm. And then it becomes very easier easy for us to, you know, tie that those value proposition to those challenges or to those projects. And that's how you, the, the idea is to create a win-win situation, right? Mm. And, and one of the things that one of my mentors, you know, kind of advised me many years back, which still holds good, and I hope that it continues to hold good for me in my career is in a meeting, in a one-hour meeting typically, okay? It's for a new, it's for a new, if it's with a new prospect, right? 45 minutes should be your customer's time and 15 minutes should be your time. But you need to be very intelligent and, and efficient to you know, keep on intelligently probing him, asking the right questions so that he is engaged. It should not be like a, you know, it's a proper rubber probing Q&A session. How can, we, how can you put those questions or queries as part of a conversation? And I think that that comes with time.
1: Hmm. That comes with experience, that comes with meeting a lot of but in this COVID situation, I mean in this in this situation when you are speaking to, to your client on virtually right, do you think that you are able to probe the right question of, or, I mean while virtually talking to someone? Yes, if
2: you are setting you have, if you have set the right context up before the meeting, and that's where the context becomes very important. Mm-hmm. Whether the agenda is is kind of transparent and and it's very up to the point that that we want to cover in that one hour meeting or in the 30 minutes meeting mm-hmm. right and uh, you know uh, it's always about sticking to the agenda and making sure that you have that framework in place all right and then you kind of ask some of those supporting questions right mm-hmm. about about their business about their growth strategies and and things evolve right you know 6 7 months back uh, a particular company might have had an X uh, growth ambition, X percentage growth ambition, but things have changed, mm. right? And mm. things have drastically changed. So how we also align that, align ourselves to that change is 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 very crucial. So yes, if you if you are in the virtual environment, if you are uh, being helpful to the customers and and if you demonstrate value, I don't see a challenge where you cannot ask those questions to them. To be honest mm-hmm. and you, know, you can actually ask them budget questions also uh, the trends that i have seen in the last six seven months is that since you know people are not in the right space of mind which is absolutely understandable salesforce sales folks typically don't don't kind of question that dollar one or mm-hmm. don't ask that dollar question but being a sales guy it's very important that you understand that it's very very important Mm -hmm. And it is not like, uh, and and you have to set a context and you have to kind of make sure that the customer is comfortable and then only you ask those kind of questions rather than just asking like, what is your dollar budget for the quarter or what is your budget for the year? It doesn't work that way. And trust me, the other thing that that I have concentrated on, especially during this pandemic time is how can I be personally helpful to, to them? In any point of time, it can, it should not be business. Also it should be, can be from a personal perspective also, because come to think about it, everyone has been impacted, affected, you know, their families, friends, close mm. ones, anyone. Right. So can I be helpful through my network in something, for example, someone might have lost a job, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, can I be helpful in that space? Can I help my stakeholder in finding a job for his or her relative or his or her friend, because all the good things that you do you know it might be small good things might not have any monetary value for you but trust me the trust that you build because of those you know, small good things that you do will help you all throughout your entire career especially in that relationship with that.
1: yeah this is actually very really wonderful somawar because you know yes even uh, many of my uh, old friends or the close by relatives they actually keep on asking that how you build the relationship or networking and I just say the same thing that you know I think the first of all when you want to build a relationship right your mindset mindset actually should change what does it mean is that you are not required to be expert in everything but your mindset should be to be resourceful when I say being resourceful meaning right for example if somebody is looking for some some help right and Maybe let's say, for example, if you might be part of some group, independent group, maybe some Facebook group, or maybe on LinkedIn you saw some post, right? Somebody is looking for some requirement and some help. One scenario I'm just saying that let's say, for example, one CEO posted for, hey, I'm looking for some HR guy, right, for my company. You might not be very good and you might not be HR yourself, but then you can be resourceful by, okay, connecting this person with the, another person who might be a totally. good HR and then you can act as a bridge. So you are actually ultimately solving his problem. The person is not looking for a solution for, from you. He might totally. ultimately looking for a solution for himself, right? And you can yeah. just become a bridge and this help will basically build a relationship and this works everywhere. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you
2: more. <laughs> I think I have a term for this, right? So I call it you know, thinking beyond business. Mm. Right? So business mm. should not be ends all and buy all, right? So business is a byproduct of what you do, right? As an individual with, with a particular stakeholder or with particular stakeholders, right? No. So I think that's really
1: important. Okay. Now tell me one thing, right? In this situation, right? In this last six or seven months of uh, this virtual engagement of, I mean, you're being virtually engaged with your uh would-be client, right? Have you ever handled uh, tough customers or objections? If you have handled, right, how you have handled it gracefully?
2: Uh, From my existing business, as I mentioned, I don't have any new uh, clients to go after. But but Mm -hmm. there are certain uh, objections that come in from time to time. And especially Mm -hmm. in my space, it comes from, you know, best practices around global servicing models, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I work across multiple time zones. There are, you know, a couple of team members who are aligned to our pod, who kind of are co-owners in this whole thing, right? So I think there are there are various uh, objectives that come. Uh, there are various objections, sorry, that that come in from time to time. Mm. Uh, some of the things can be uh, very practical, like my CPCs are low, my my CTRs are low, you know, from a digital marketing party standpoint. And some can be very strategic, like mm. what. Can be what is the brand impact or the business impact that I have seen by investing with you? So those are very valid questions. Those are very valid objections, right? I think I, as an individual or as a group, we are very, very data-full, all right? Mm. So we believe in that model that, you know, if, you, if we carefully look at the data, it, it leads to answers for everything, Right, it could be good answers. It could be bad answers. Doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, we should have an answer which is kind of relevant for the customer and which helps the customer. Right. Hmm. So there have been multiple scenarios where you know we have been questioned we have we we have been asked difficult dif- difficult. We have been in difficult conversations, but it's just about I know setting firstly setting expectations right, acknowledging that you know okay, uh, I understand what you are saying. Okay. i might not have an immediate answer to it but what i can do is i can come back to you i can look at the data or i can look i can speak with my cross functional partners and come back to you with a detailed analysis of what might have gone wrong and what we might have achieved right because mm-hmm. that also you know uh, certainly that also sets you a base for your next conversation which is with that particular person and, and that particular person could be a ceo or a cmo as well so you need to be very intelligent around it uh, and 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 you need to embrace objection right you yeah. need to embrace those difficult situations
1: i think uh, um, it is also important that instead of panicking right being more realistic about uh, the the problem that the customer is trying to trying to solve and uh, and the kind of answers actually he or she is indirectly looking for and yeah. maybe that is coming in the form of frustration So the listening skills, based on my experience, I guess, is is more important in this situation to patiently address the customer's customer's objections.
2: Absolutely. And then uh, there is this whole uh, piece that comes in again, that 45-minute, 15-minute (laughs) rule. Yes. You let them speak and you listen. You just listen. And then you take down notes and make sure that you are kind of uh, recapping all the notes before you leave that meeting and you have those actionables in place. Very, very crucial.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Now one last question. And then before, and then after that, we'll conclude this session, this, this podcast. Okay. And this is very important. I think it's a talk of any kind of enterprise sales and uh, sales, sales and marketing topic. And that is how the customer needs are conveyed to the marketing team, especially in LinkedIn. If in case I have to ask you and, uh, how actually basically in LinkedIn, your sales and marketing team align is, is something uh, I would definitely wanted to highlight through your experience to my audience.
2: Sure, And, and that's a very valid question, Samir, because yeah. this is something that we evangelize as a company also. And yeah. if we don't do this right internally, we cannot evangelize it externally, right? So what we do, Samir, is we, we have a process, a full-blown process and a program in place as to how we collaborate with our cross-functional partners. when i say cross-functional partners it is not only marketing there are different other cross-functional partners for example Mm -hmm. insights is a huge cross-functional partner with us content teams are a huge cross-functional partner so we have a half yearly you know planning cycle okay if Mm -hmm. i can call it that way Mm -hmm. right so where we identify some of the key levers that that we are driving to help customers and achieve and help them achieve some of their key business and marketing objectives and as part of that whole exercise, we kind of have sessions, you know, deep sessions with our cross-functional partners before we actually present that to our management team to get to kind of engage, ideate, brainstorm around some of the initiatives that we want to drive for particular customers. All hmm. right. Hmm. And then we have agreements and disagreements, which is which is fair and fine with any business, right? Hmm. Based on those, based on those aspects. All right. Uh, so once we have agreements like you know, we asked for, say, five things. Marketing said that, okay, these are the three things that we can do. These are things that we can perhaps deprioritize. And then we come to a conclusion. It is very important that we reach an agreement, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it should not be a negotiation. It should be an agreement okay, with the end goal of an agreement, correct? Once we do that, then we present that plan, okay, that whole strategic plan for, for the to our management team. And, and it includes our India leadership team as well as our attack leadership team. All right. Mm-hmm. Where we are quite jointly presenting, it is not only the sales team or the pod that is presenting. It is presentation from all the cross-functional partners and the pod. All right, and and some of the stuff, and they kind of help us out in driving the and building the whole narrative around mm-hmm. why we need this. And then we have regular checkpoints as to how we are doing it, how we are executing against those stated plans or those stated strategies, right? So there is a clear accountability from both sides in terms of how they are doing, okay, and, and how we are enabling them to do, right? And trust me, you know you will not find a lot of sales teams, sales folks saying this, but for me personally, marketing has been one of the biggest enablers for me, right? It has helped me to unlock a lot of doors. All right, it has helped me to. Make my customers look good. I think that is one key thing that marketeers do very well to make customers look good, right? So we have provided multiple platforms to our customers to kind of share ideas, you know, CMO roundtables. They have mm. been part of our customer advisory board and mm. sometimes some of our global you know, virtual conventions as well, right? Mm. You know, forums as well, right? And they really love it. So what that basically means is, is first, we have a top-of-mind recall in that particular C-levels mind. And number two, we are creating that whole glue. Right. We are not only uh, discussing sales or we are not only discussing you know, programs or campaigns and stuff. It opens up a lot more opportunities in terms of a business partnership, mm-hmm. which which might not be limited to only my view, but it might be encapsulating you know, all views of LinkedIn and all views of that particular organization. So it opens up a lot of lot of doors and a lot of conversations if done the right way. And, and thankfully, you know, I think in my last two and a half years with LinkedIn, we have done it the right
1: way. I think it was wonderful to know about what is happening inside the LinkedIn and the kind of programs that their LinkedIn is running inside for the sales team to engage with their customers virtually. And I think with you being as a guest, right, it was really wonderful knowing about what is your idea and what is the company as a whole thinking in terms of reaching out to the customers because when we keep the customers in the center right uh, whether the marketing team is engaging or the sales team is engaging then only the customer is going to feel good that's when they try to open up about, about their own problems so it was a really really nice session uh, somehow I'm really so glad that you became ready to come on the show and thank you so much
2: it's a, it's a pleasure on my side Samit. thanks for having me over and thanks for considering me for this amazing opportunity thank you thank you